Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. I was sitting with, uh, with friends who had just traveled uh, from Namibia to the United States, and uh, we were having a great meal and laughing about the differences between Namibia and America, and... Uh, as we were sitting there talking, uh, our friend began to share with me. She said, uh, you know, it's a funny thing about Americans. Um, they don't know anything about Namibia. They don't know where it is. They don't know how to spell it. They don't know how to pronounce it. And uh, I said, yeah, that's, that's, that's true. Uh, since, ever since we've moved to Namibia, uh, we've had our family and friends had difficulty discovering where it is and pronouncing it. Uh, Namibia has been pronounced by my fellow Americans and as Libya, um, Gambia, Zambia, Nambia, uh, even added extra syllables, Nambibia, that's one of my favorite ones. It's one of my favorite ones. I want to show you a map here of, um, of where Namibia is. And, and if you look at it, it it's, it's a very large, we know, our, we know Namibia, it's a very large country, right? But it's a very small population. You realize that the population in Namibia is less than many cities in South Africa. It's really interesting to think about, but it's such a land of diversity, right? Um, I love, we Namibians, we like to call Namibia a harsh paradise, uh, and it is. It's a, it's a beautiful place uh, with so much diversity and uh, uh, well over 44 different languages that are spoken here uh, in this small uh, population country. And with, with the size of, of this country, very often comes with, with it um, very often, uh, the same perspective in our hearts and our minds, uh, for those of us who live here or consider ourselves Namibians, uh, we see ourselves as, as small and sometimes in, insignificant uh, in the impact that we can have, uh, even in Namibia, but even outside of Namibia, the impact that we can have uh, for good and for success. Uh, we're always, we always celebrate, but we're always a little surprised when someone from Namibia uh, hits the world stage, that somehow they become popular and well-known around the world because uh, we don't expect that very often of ourselves uh, living in this place. I'm afraid, though, that this uh, same attitude is what we carry with us when we consider uh, what God would do with us and the impact we could have for his glory and for his sake, uh, uh, even in the city, this nation, and potentially the world for his kingdom. And... Um, I want to invite us this morning to consider a different possibility that maybe God uses the small things uh, to impact the big. Maybe God uses those who consider themselves weak to impact the strong. And potentially, potentially Namibia uh, just hasn't discovered yet the potential that it could have on the world stage of God's kingdom advancing throughout the world. Uh, I want us to look at Luke chapter 10 this morning. And it's a... It's a uh, uh, book of the Bible, the chapter of, of Luke that uh, I have spoken to you about many years ago, and I wanted to bring it up to you again to see if maybe uh, we could uh, think about something of the possibilities of what could happen uh, if we were part of the heart of God and what he wanted to see happen. This is what Jesus says. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, 
Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. I love that verse three. Isn't that great? Uh, <laughs> I send you out as lambs among wolves. God sends ordinary people, ordinary people everywhere, with instructions to pray for more workers so that we can bring in a bountiful harvest, a big harvest. So ordinary people are sent out uh, with instructions to pray for more people to join them so that there can be a massive harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, Jesus said. Now, the context of Luke 10 is interesting. Uh, this was Jesus' methodology when he came. Uh, just to give you some history, in Luke chapter 3, and it's not on the screen here, but just to give you a quick history here, uh, Jesus is anointed, he's baptized, right? And then he begins his ministry. He begins and he starts recruiting people for the expansion of his kingdom. Luke 3, verse 22, it's not on here. Uh, it says, you are my beloved son. <clears throat> and God said to Jesus, I'm pleased with you. And once he was selected, he begins to then broaden his circle of involvement. So he's baptized, then he begins to recruit people for his mission. He does this through prayer. We see him, he spends a lot of time in prayer. We see this documented in scripture where he prays, then he selects. So he spends an evening on a mountain praying, and then he selects uh, out of uh, the many people who are listening to him, he selects 12 people to be his apostles, uh, also disciples. But there had had been many people because he was healing people, following him and walking around. Then he, out of those hundreds, he selected 12 who would be the ones that he would commission and that he would send out. So that's in Luke 6. It's not up here. Luke 6, verse 12, he called uh, all of his disciples and chose 12. After much prayer, selected those 12. And then we see that in Luke 9, also not here on the screen. I'm just giving you a quick summary here. And we can go back to Luke 10 in just a moment here. But Luke 9 we see that he sends those 12 out. Once he selected those 12 apostles, he sends them to go ahead of the places where he was going to be coming, where Jesus was going to be walking and moving uh, in, the, in the days to come. Sent them out, and he sent them out with power and with authority to cast out demons and to heal all diseases, is what, what the Bible says. Sent them out to tell everyone that the kingdom of God was coming. Kingdom of God is coming, he says. This is the behavior and this is the character of God in that he sends people out saying kingdom of God is coming. This is the message of God. This is the heart of God that all nations would actually experience his glory. They would experience and have an opportunity to respond to him, to follow him. We get to Luke then, Luke 10, and uh, we, we get to this passage again. Pop up Luke 10 there for us. Um, after these things, he appointed then 72 others. So he selects people. Right? He selects people for this job. Um, let's head to Matthew 28. When we consider this passage, there's a few things I just want to pull out for you. Uh, th this is how Jesus did it, and I think we can still learn from this today, and so that's why I've chosen Luke 10 for us. I think it's a very simple, reproducible model uh, that we can look at. This is how Jesus, I believe, and I think it's possible for us to con conclude that Jesus is still doing the same thing he did uh, thousands of years ago. He's still selecting people and sending them out. Matthew 28 says this. Matthew 28. It is on the screen. Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples. This is when he was ascending. He says, I've given you all authority in heaven and on earth. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit 
Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The Great Commission, right? Uh, it's something we quote very often, but rarely do we live this out in our lives. Uh, go make disciples of all nations. Now, this morning you think, God, gosh, Brian, we've heard this before from you, and we've heard it in churches, and we've read it in the Bible. Yes, yes, amen. And we've come through a... Uh, Difficult season of COVID where churches were shut down. It's been a difficult couple of years, right, that we're coming out of. And in that process of going through grief and loss, a lot of people process their spiritual lives. They process their relationship with God. Some said, yes, I want to continue to follow him. Others realized that they had never given their life to Christ and decided to follow him more uh, more in a, in a more dedicated way, uh, with more passion, with more commitment. But others abandoned faith completely. And then there was another group of people who, although we didn't abandon our faith, we, we sat and just became docile, uh, in, in many ways immobile, just slowed down and observed. Uh, I think in many ways uh, that was, would be true of me, where I just thought, hey, wait a minute, you know, I'm just going to wait till this thing passes over and then I'll get to work. Have, have you felt that way? Uh, just sitting and waiting for the evil pandemic uh, to pass so that then we could get back to work. And honestly, it took me a while to be sparked out of this kind of this docile approach to life and to realize that the commission of God has not changed. One thing that's so true about God is that he never changes. We change, but he does not. The heart of God, has it changed? No, heart of God has not changed. The heart of God is still that the nations would follow him and that they would be transformed. This amazing gift that God offers to all the world is salvation only through Jesus Christ. This message, this truth has never changed. I make the point this morning that he sent the disciples. To let you know that the commission to make disciples is, is not something that I invented or created or it's just not some new idea of our church or new program. It's a commission of God himself to us. And honestly, this morning as I consider this, I realize for me personally that I need to be pulled off of my seat and, and pushed and compelled again by the vision of God out into the world to share the gospel because that is the heart of God. I, I actually believe that so much of, of the, maybe the, the hurt or whatever the grief I'm experiencing that I've experienced for the last couple of years would be solved and resolved if I actually got back in tune with what God is asking me to do and be part of. His commission is still that the nations would discover the beauty and wonder of his salvation, that the nations would worship I don't believe Jesus has changed. So even though Luke 10 was written thousands of years ago, I think it's still true for today. Jesus is still commissioning, appointing, and sending people into the harvest. Do you believe that this morning, church? Really, honestly, do you believe that? So if God is still in the business of saving people, and we're still the ones he's sending, which is always amazing to me that he sends us, but then we need to start once again 
moving in the direction of his character and his heart, which is sharing the gospel to the nations. I want us to consider the fact that God chooses people like you and me, ordinary people, to do his, to do his work and that he empowers us. Nothing special about us, but everything special about him. And he empowers and moves in us. This is God's commission, Acts 1.8. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we've seen this progression through history, right? If you've read any history book, you see this movement of God. From Jesus in Luke 10, sending his disciples out, and then he ascends. He sends them to go back to Jerusalem, wait for power. They sit in an upper room, Acts 2. What happens? The Spirit descends on them with, with, uh, with power. Peter, uh, the shy Peter who denied Christ, stands in front. All of a sudden, he's in power, and he speaks. And how many people are added to their numbers that day? 3,000 people give their life to Christ on that day after Peter, the fisherman who denied Christ, has been endued with power. He's able now to speak. And God moves in a dramatic way through that man. Uneducated fisherman. And 3,000 people give their life to Christ that day. The book of Acts records the numbers that continue to be added. At some point, they stop counting and they say there were many. <laughs> thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And this progression has gone throughout. The goal is every nation, but also this morning I want you to consider the idea, not just every nation, but every generation. Every generation needs to have a chance to hear the gospel and respond, every generation. So we have responsibility to our children. It could be that my generation is heard, but have our children? Potentially not. John 20, after he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed his last. God sends God sends, God calls, God anoints people to go. This morning, I'm sure that, I, I'm positive that most of you in this room have felt the pull from God. Have you felt that pull from God? I know you have. Or heard the voice of God telling you to speak the truth about God to your family, speak the truth about God maybe to your friends, or even to speak the truth about God to an enemy. I know you've, heard the voice of God. If you're listening online, I know God has spoken to you as well. To speak the truth about God to your colleagues and friends. Every one of us has heard this pull from God. But most of us deny the authenticity of our, our ears. Not the authenticity of God, but our ears. Are we really hearing this correctly? And like Moses, we place ourselves before God and we say, me? <laughs> Who am I? And most of us discredit the call of God with the value that we place on ourselves. In other words, we value, we, the, the lack of value, the way we do not appreciate who we are, can't imagine that God would actually use us or that God would call us. But the fact is, is that is the method of God is to choose those who potentially are weak or small or insignificant to do big things because he's the one who empowers. 
One of the great things about being insignificant or uh, not endued with a lot of skills is that God will get all the glory because there's no chance for you to ever, ever be boastful about yourself because you know who you are. I don't consider myself to be anything great at all. I'm always shocked when, when God called me to, to be a witness to my friends when I was a teenager. I totally thought that I was hearing some other voice, not the voice of God. I remember so clearly, but me? I'm nothing. God says, no, you. I want you to speak. My voice back to God was, well, but, you know, why would they listen to me? You know, they listened to me for some reason. And there was an impact made when I spoke because God is the one who speaks. God chooses, number one. He chooses. He's the one who anoints. He's the one who commissions. He's asking us as New Song Family Church to be about his heart and his task, to make disciples of all nations. And he's asking us, ordinary people. Luke 10 says this. Those 70 that were, that were chosen by God are, are not named, Right? After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others. We're the others, right? Insignificant. In Acts chapter 8, you see there was persecution in the church. And Acts chapter 8 gives this incredible story of how that everyone left Jerusalem and was scattered beyond uh, except for the apostles. In verse 4, Acts chapter 8, verse 4 says this, those who had been scattered did what? They preached the word wherever they went. Ordinary people, ordinary people who had been scattered, not the apostles, not the skilled ones, not the appointed ones or the anointed leaders of the church, but the others were faithful to continue to share the gospel wherever they went. It was part of their nature, part of their culture. It's clear that God does not call special people, right? This morning, do not discount yourself because you think you're not special. I would imagine that uh, probably every one of you in, here in this room, except for maybe one or two of you, do not think you're special. Those one or two we'll talk later. Do you think you're special? I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 1 with me and what Paul, and Paul talking to the church in Corinth, this is what he says. And when I, whenever I read this, I'm not sure if I want to be uh, if, it's, if, I, if I was the church of Corinth, if I would feel complimented or a bit insulted. But anyway, here we go. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, the few of you, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or are powerful or wealthy when God called you. It goes on to say, instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. Can you imagine with me this morning what God could do through you? Can you imagine just for a moment if you realize truly that you are nothing, but that he is everything, and if you surrendered and allowed him to work and speak through you, what could happen? God chooses ordinary people. God chooses the weak to shame the wise. This morning, we should not be surprised 
if we've heard a voice from God, when we look at ourselves and we consider who we are, we should not be surprised that God is calling us because this is how he works. Could it be that you are going to be used by God to impact this entire city, this nation, this world? Because you will always be aware of how insignificant that you are and always be aware of how amazing God is. And you will allow God to just to work through you. When God called me initially to, to be in full-time ministry, I said no because I just did not like myself. And over time, I realized that it wasn't about my skill set. It was about God's skill set. And this is a peaceful thing for me. It's not stressful. God calling me to do this because I know God's going to do it through me. So we should bring our stress about who we are before the Lord and bow before him and pray, God, give me, give me boldness. Give me the strength that I need. God chooses, and God chooses ordinary people. Ordinary people. And he sends them out as lambs amongst wolves. Now, for a lot of people, this is where, you know, you were checked in until now. <laughs> Inspired by the fact that God can do great things through you, but then, but you're sending me where? As a lamb in the midst of wolves. This is the reality. God chooses anyone, ordinary people, but sends us to difficult places because you know what? Lost people act what? Lost people act lost. Bad people act bad. That's what people do. And so when we're sent out to be good news to difficult people, difficult people more than likely are going to be difficult with you. And especially if you're bringing the good news of Jesus Christ. Because as a child of God, you're going to have opposition from people who are not children of God because this is a spiritual warfare that's taking place here. And for many of you in this room who have given your life to Christ, the moment you took your new birth back to your homes for the first time in your life, all of a sudden your family became your first enemies. If your family was not, if your family was not following the Lord and you gave your life to Christ, very often your first set of persecution came when you went home because all of a sudden you have a different spirit and there's problems. Over and over again, this is true in this country where people give their life to Christ, they go home, they share, hey, guess what I did? I, I'm a child of God now. And that's the very beginning when there's opposition. That's the beginning of the response and the difficulty that they have is when they go home. The fact of the matter is, is that part of this commission, part of this reality is that as children of God living in a lost world, we're going to experience the persecution and the pushback from lost world. I, I love what uh, Peter says. First Peter 4 says this. As he's writing to people who are followers of Christ, living in a world primarily with people who are lost, he says this. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through, as if something strange were happening to you. I think very often we approach this when we get persecuted because of our faith. It's a surprise to us. So don't be surprised. This is normal. Instead, be very glad. For these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. We are called as lambs in the midst of wolves. God is the one commissioning. God is the one who is choosing. He is sending us 
ordinary people into a world of difficulty. And so he asked us to pray. <laughs> Look what Luke 10 verse 2 says. It says this, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are how many? Few. Therefore, pray. The Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We need to realize that every moment as we're being commissioned, as we're being sent in difficult places to realize that we cannot do this without coming before the Father on a regular basis and being empowered by his, his power, by his spirit to move and operate in this world. We cannot do this task without him. We will never be able to operate and function and expand the kingdom of God without him. And so we must be vigilant to continue to beseech him, to, to beg him, to empower us, to fill us so that we can operate. We need to pray because God is Lord of the harvest. He's the Lord of the harvest. We are not in charge of the harvest. We are workers within his sovereignty and his agenda and his power. So we need to beg him to move and operate through us, in us. We are merely the ambassadors of greatness. We are not great. And so God moves in us, and so we pray. We pray. We, we pray out of obedience to him. Pr prayer is, the, the, as one person said, prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of the sovereignty of God. God is not dependent on us. We don't release his power. He is sovereign and omnipotent. We are merely walking alongside his agenda and asking God to move mightily. We pray because harvest is plentiful. We pray because the harvest is plentiful and the harvest outnumbers the number of workers. Think about this. Whenever there's a harvest of any kind, if you've ever been around farms, you realize that uh, the harvest is much greater than the amount of workers usually. So whenever it's harvest time, what do they do? They bring in more workers so they can collect the abundance of the harvest. Understand that this is a big job. This is a big task. And so we desperately need God to empower us to move in us so that we'll be able to collect all the harvest that is out there. The harvest is how much? A lot. Plentiful. A lot. But the workers are few. The problem is not the harvest, is it? The, prob the problem is not that there, there aren't people out there who will not respond. There are thousands of people in the nation of Namibia and beyond that are ready to receive this truth and give their life to Christ. God's methodology is to work through his workers to be the voice. And very often we don't see a harvest because we are not willing to surrender ourselves to be one of those workers. We're not asked to pray for a big harvest, are we? In this passage, we are asked to pray for workers. The problem is not the harvest. The problem is us. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. There's a big harvest, but few workers. So we pray. And we have this peace because we know as we pray, God's going to move in us and operate. The size of the task is so much bigger than we are, so we must pray earnestly. The fields are white. So how do we pray this morning? I want to pop up here for you just different ways. Obviously, the prayer of Luke 10 is that we, there would be more workers. Uh, I've told you this before. Uh, when I pray, I pray for more witnesses, for more workers. 
I pray this every, every other day. My watch is set that at 10.02, alarm goes off on my smartphone that uh, tells me, reminds me of Luke 10, verse 2, and I pray for workers. I do this every other day. I pray that God would raise up workers in this country, and I'm reminded to do so on my phone. I encourage you to do that. If you want a reminder, uh, maybe you'll do it every day, maybe once a week, every other day, but put an alarm on your phone or some, somebody, uh, uh, whatever you use to alarm yourself and to alert, and pray. Begin to pray that God would raise up workers. Pray that God would send out his witnesses. And then um, I'd like for us to pray this morning for, for, for three more things in three ways that we can pray. Very specifically, pray for workers, Luke 10.2, and then let's pray that God would, would, would give us boldness. All right, that God would empower us to be bold. As for a lot of us, that's probably where we stop. We believe we should be witnesses, but we're just afraid. We deal with fear. Most of us deal with fear on multiple levels. And so we need the power of God to overcome our fear and give us the boldness that we need to, to strike those conversations. Uh, I have rarely uh, seen people talk about the gospel with strangers when it's not awkward. Or there's, it's not awkward just bridging into the conversation. You know, so how's your day been? Yeah, great weather. Oh, fantastic. COVID, how's it going? Great, we're all good. Let me tell you about Jesus. <laughs> but the Spirit of God actually softens that awkwardness. And it's always amazing to me how God begins to pull those people to himself and they realize, no, that's really what we need to be talking about. Aren't you tired of talking about COVID? I'm sick of it. Let's talk about Jesus. Yeah, hope. God, give us boldness to speak about those good things, to speak about the gospel. The prayer of boldness was a consistent, constant prayer of the first believers that we read about in the New Testament. Uh, if you do any study of prayer throughout the New Testament, you'll see that one of their biggest prayers was, God, make us bold. Just like them today, we are also afraid. And so we need to beg God for his power so that we can open up our mouths. Speaking to your mom and dad, speaking to your children, speaking to your friends about Jesus is always scary. And so we need God's power to breach those deep subjects. We know we're going to get a reaction when we talk about Jesus to those people, and that's why we're afraid. Only Christ can embolden us so that we speak. And then I, I believe we need to pray for opportunities, open doors, moments. This was the, the practice of Paul, who prayed for opportunities. In Colossians 4, he says this, Don't forget to pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to preach about this secret plan. Give us a moment. Give us that moment where this opportune moment where I can breach the subject, when I can talk about the good news of Jesus Christ. We need to pray for opportunities. And you'll be surprised when you pray this prayer, the opportunities that avail themselves. You'll find yourself after you pray this prayer standing with someone who needs to hear the gospel, and it's a perfect moment. But if you haven't prayed for boldness, you'll keep quiet. <laughs> opportunities are all around us all the time. We need to ask God to empower us to speak in those moments. Pray for opportunities.
They're everywhere. And then the fourth way, pray for clear ways of communicating the gospel. Pray that your message would be clear, that people would understand what you're saying, that when you speak, you don't sound like a very scared, awkward person, but that the gospel is clear coming out of your mouth, presented. I've sat with people and shared the gospel, and as the words are coming out of my mouth, I am shocked at how great they sound. But I know, I am, I'm shocked. As it's coming out, I'm going, that really sounds amazing. But it's the Spirit of God that's moving through me. It's not me, so I can't take credit for it. That's what God does. God gives you the words that you need at that moment. And God will do that for you. You don't think you're a great speaker or wise or whatever. No, just... Begin to share the gospel, you'll see. God will move in you in a mighty way, and you'll be able to make it clear. So we pray, God, make it clear. He's the one who makes it clear. Not Brian Bullington, not you. God is the one who makes it clear. And he knows the person that you're talking to better than you do. And he has a specifically designed message for that person that's in front of you. So God, make it clear so that he understands, so that she understands exactly what you're trying to say. Over and over again, when I've had the opportunity to share the gospel, when people hear, they say, you know, that's exactly what I needed to hear. You think, wow, great. That's something only God can do. Our job is to be available. Weak, ordinary people. We've been called by God. We've been commissioned. We've been sent. And we're being asked to pray as we go, God, please, <laughs> Lord, please give me what I need to be able to speak. I want us to pause and I want to ask our worship leaders to come on up. Yes, Ziggy. That's great. It's, it's true. It's true. And, and you, if you're not actively involved in God's work, you miss out on the joy of God's work. Another way of saying what Ziggy said, but it's, it's absolutely true. Absolutely 100% true. And God is inviting us to this amazing task. He really, really is. I want us to spend time as a church praying. Talked about prayer this morning, but I'd like for us to pray. If I could have worship leaders come up, they can put some nice, good music in the background for us as we pray. <laughs> And I'd like for us to, uh, or instrumentals, um, and I'd like for us to, uh, just to, to stand, if you're willing to, like Ziggy just did, good job Ziggy, uh, but to be bold and to stand up and let's, let's pray. And then whoever else would then join after that, and then I'll close this. So Ziggy, why don't you start us off, would you? We're praying for four things here. We're praying that God would send out witnesses. We're praying that God would give us boldness. We're praying for opportunities and open doors. We're praying for clear ways of communicating the gospel. And the reason why I'm asking us to do this as a church is because that was the practice of the church, was to pray together for these things. I'm not asking you to go off all by yourself, isolated, and pray these things, but do that too. This morning, I want us to do it as a family, as a body of Christ. Let's pray. Let's, let's beg God together for these things, and then let's go together. Ziggy, lead us. And then others, if you just stand and pray after Ziggy, and let's pray. Let's pray for these things this morning.
Lord Jesus, we, uh, we praise you for grace. Thank you for, Lord, your uh, investment in us. And uh, Lord, that we get to be part of your plan. We get to be part of the sending. Lord Jesus, this morning we come to you and we ask God for forgiveness for, for discounting ourselves because of who we are and not, Lord, uh, obeying you because of who you are. Lord Jesus, we ask God that uh, you would empower us this morning, make us bold. Lord, help us to get over our insecurities. Lord, help us to be secure in you. Lord, give us the confidence that we need, Father. And uh, Lord, give us opportunities. Lord, help us to be clear when we speak. Help it to be understood, Father. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for this church. We thank you, God, for what you're going to do through New Song Family Church. Lord Jesus, we give you ourselves, Father, we who are weak. And Lord, very often we think we're insignificant, but Father, you are significant. And so Lord, we pray, God, that you empower us, embolden us. And we pray, God, that your kingdom would come. In your name I pray, amen. Let's worship together. This is Rico Veca, and I'm also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.